COVID-19, Digital Health Technology and Artificial Intelligence, a conversation with Dr. Saili Bombarday. This is episode 136 on the Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Hi, this is Kim Shea, your co-host for this episode of Alternative Health Tools, coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California. It's Friday, April 2nd, 2021. Today, we get to speak with Dr. Saili Bombare. Did I say that right? Okay. Uh, It's a beautiful name. I just want to make sure I pronounce it right. She's a doctor of public health, and she's a vocal and digital health technology advocate. She's a researcher. And she's got a very impressive background as a public health professional. And she's going to talk to us about um, technology and the way it's changing our lives right now and how it can help you manage your health, your physical health, as well as your mental health. And so we'll have a lot of questions for her. Can you tell me about you know how you came into this? What's your background, Dr. Siley? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am a trained dental surgeon and uh, while working with patients for years, I, you know, I realized as as a as doctor or as a healthcare system as a whole, how you know we're really limited in how much service or how much time we can give to the patients. And you know, I thought, what what are the other areas, what are the other resources that we can utilize to give the patients more time, more, more attention, more, you know, be there for them even when they're not in the hospital or in the clinics. Um, that's how I actually started working more into, you know, the digital health space, because more and more I realized how much we can uh, utilize uh, digital health resources for our patients and their health outcomes. Okay, so would you be talking about like, um, like an avatar or something or where people could get information from the avatar or what, what was your vision in terms of how you could utilize that? Well, uh, my, my primary motive is to, uh, you know, make people and our listeners aware how they can utilize digital health technology for their individual health as, you know, be it, be it in terms of using uh, simple tools like mobile phones or internet, or whether it's through telehealth consultations or remote treatments. So, uh, because I think, you know, these, these are very, very simple and very easily accessible options available to us right now. But turns out not many people really utilize them. Not many of us actually realize that it's it's there for us to just use anytime we need it. So yeah, that's that's the that's the primary goal. Okay. You noticed that there's been a change in patient perspective and health technology buy-in during the pandemic. Are people interested in this? I know there's a lot more telehealth visits that are getting authorized by insurance companies, but in terms of buy-in, what what are you seeing? Yeah, there there actually has been a massive shift, you know, um, in in the buying, whether it's on uh, whether it's on the policy government side of things, or the hospital clinicians, or our patients. You know, there's been a huge shift in that. Before COVID, you know, it was always like, um, okay, let's stick to the conventional healthcare. We may or may not 
like digital health services, we may or may not need them, or you know, the the, the insurance companies wouldn't pay for it, the doctors or hospitals wouldn't want to use it. So what can I do as a patient? But what COVID actually did is like, and 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 of course, as unfortunate as the whole situation has been, it accelerated adoption of digital technology at least 10 or 15 years for us, you know. You know, uh, for example, I, I think around 12th or 13th March 2020, um, the government announced emergency, the COVID emergency. And just within a week, CMS, uh, you know, came up with so many, so many good regulations where, you know, they extended telehealth or teleconsultation benefits to almost all of their, you know, um, Medicare beneficiaries. Yes. And I can tell you the difference. So, before COVID, I think, you know, 10 to 15,000 uh, patients utilized uh, telehealth services a week. And after COVID, it, it kind of went on to about a million. So 120 to 130 times increase in that. So that, that's, that just tells you about the immense shift in the, in the whole buying, you know. And this cannot happen unless everyone comes together and everyone, uh, you know, takes a step with the patients, the government, our payers. Everything has to happen together. So I think the you know the buy-in it, it's been it's been amazing. Seventy to eighty percent doctors now want to utilize telehealth, you know, remote consultations. Previously, as healthcare professionals, we ourselves have been a little more you know conservative in terms of using these services. But now we're really more open, and, and just about the same amount of uh, healthcare professionals say they want to utilize it even after COVID. So. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. That has been amazing. I, as part of my job, I also work with CMS and with Medicare and uh, reaching out for people with mental health. And it used to be you had to live in what they considered a rural area in order to receive telehealth services for mental health. And it was very limiting as to who could be seen. And then all of a sudden, once there was the shutdown, Anybody could be seen pretty much anywhere with yeah. with the technology. And the technology used to have be very specific about how it could be used, what types of technology could be used. And then all of a sudden, it didn't matter. Just make sure that people got their needs met in terms of their mental health, which was it was amazing to see that. Yeah, yeah. You, you actually bring up a very good point. You know, previously, it was so restricted in terms of what um, the payers or CMS allowed for. Uh, I think with COVID, they added about 100 more allowable services to almost all the, uh, all the beneficiaries. And, you know, you can get it from whichever location you like, whether it's your home. Previously, like you said, there, were, there was a lot of restriction. You had to be in a rural area. You had to be at the center. Now it, it, it's it's all opened up, and and also uh, a lot more practitioners have been included in this. You know, not just a doctor or nurses. Now, the occupational therapist or you know speech language pathologist, physical therapist, all of them can actually utilize this, and there's a good chance that patients get reimbursed for it. Yeah. Do you think that this will continue going forward once COVID's resolved enough? Yeah, I, I do think, uh, you know, a major part of the change is here to stay. Of course, uh, on regulatory levels, a, a lot of them uh, were or are temporary, you know, they were made for a period of a year or until the emergency lasts. But uh, a lot of states, a lot of, uh, you know, healthcare authorities are coming ahead and saying that, you know, it's really been beneficial for us. It's been beneficial for the patients. 
Um, we want to continue with that. So, uh, of course, you know, there is still going to be a little bit of back and forth on that. But I think uh, a major chunk of this change is here to stay. And and, and if, if anything, you know, there has been so, so much improvement in the mindset on all different levels, that is definitely here. So that will benefit us forever, even after COVID's all that. Well, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, we need progress in that area. So that's great. So I just brought up mental health because that's something I do in my business. But what are you seeing in terms of mental health management an improvement using, you had suggested there's some improvement with mobile health apps and other digital. What are you seeing? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. So uh, again, you know, since we were on the point of telehealth, 60 to 70% of, you know, mental health services that patients are receiving are actually using, you know, uh, telehealth or remote consultations at the moment. Um, uh, patients as well as uh, doctors are realizing that it's, it's, it's an amazing way to connect. You know, you, nobody has to go out. Nobody has to uh, subject them to all the risk, you know, for, for COVID risk and everything. You don't have to travel. It's much more convenient for, uh, for the doctors as well as the patients, which actually adds to uh, the patient satisfaction when they're getting, you know, mental health uh, services. So that's actually uh, a positive point. And apart from that, you know, you can also utilize a lot of mobile health applications right on your cell phone. So there are so many, uh, so many amazing uh, apps, you know, which can help you, you know, mental consultations or uh, help you get a better sleep or have some that have really amazing well-being content, you know, helping the patient with depression, anxiety. There are others where uh, you can connect with a lot of other people uh, suffering through this, you know, similar situations. So, you know, just having all of these services, all of these options at your, at the tip of your finger is, is really amazing. And, you know, like I said, the whole point of our talk is for people to realize that it's all there. All they have to do is just go ahead and, you know, take that leap of faith and use it. So it is actually going to be very beneficial, you know, and, and, you know, even if you're being a super pessimist and not sure how digital health or mobile applications or anything can help you with your mental health. Just look at it this way. Um, you know, something is better than nothing, right? So rather than not getting anything, you're, you know, just trust it and, you know, utilize it. That's that's good advice. And um, I'm wondering in terms of language factors, if, if there are, if these apps are able to meet the needs of people using different languages or different skill levels. I know with, my business, it's been okay for people to be seen using telehealth throughout this, but a lot of our patient population is older and they're not comfortable using that technology. And so it's been very limiting for them. It's not worked necessarily as efficiently as one had hoped. And I'm, I'm thinking there may be the same issue with language. Are you seeing anything like that where there are restrictions? Yeah, that's, that's actually a very good question. So, you know, when when these applications or any digital health services uh, start working for the patient, they know that language or or the user age, user population age, is actually going to be a major hurdle. So they do start taking steps early on. You know whether it's adding translations, whether it's ad adding you know uh, different voice options, or you know even even at the basic level, most of the content that uh, you know applications are digital health services use 
it's made for very easy reading or very easy understanding. You know, they're very bite-sized. They're easier to understand even with very basic skills or very basic language understanding. And many, many applications are also available in different languages. Now, as for the age, of course, age is a major factor when using digital technology. What I've seen a lot of uh, good applications doing is they also focus on the caregivers. So it's, you know, there's the older population, but, you know, there's a daughter, there's a granddaughter, a grandson, someone who can help you with that. So there's also a lot of options for the caregivers to contribute to this and and help the elderly populations use this. And um, and also, you know, things have been made in a way that you're not putting a lot of burden on the caregivers to to help their, you know, uh, the elderly population. So it's not going to be too much for them. It's just be a little bit of technology use on their side and uh, a lot of benefit for the elderly population. I'm, I'm glad to know that people are taking into consideration all of these different factors when designing everything because otherwise it can't be used. So that's, that's good to hear. It's reassuring. Yeah. How do you see um, artificial intelligence and you talk about machine learning, which I'd like to know more about. How do you see that as helping disease management going forward? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, there's so much being talked about, uh, you know, about having lesser healthcare resources, physician burnout, or uh, just the fact that we cannot give enough time, enough mind space to each patient. Uh, I think AI machine learning uh, is actually, you know, really helpful in this, in the sense that, so just the nearer example is, you know, uh, the diagnosis and screening of COVID-19 patients. You know, uh, most of uh, most of the applications or technologies that have been used recently for mass level, you know, diagnosis and screening of these patients uh, actually had a lot of you know uh, utilization of AI machine learning. Um, the, the surveillance that was done, you know, uh, contact tracing for COVID-19, all of that actually included artificial intelligence. It's basically like borrowing an extra brain, a very intelligent one, right? Hmm. AI machine learning is that. And, and uh, you know, even, even for doctors in hospitals, you know, it can be used for uh, decision support, triaging the patients or, uh, you know, monitoring the patients, clinical care. So everything that actually happens in healthcare, uh, apart, from, uh, apart from the physical services that uh, a doctor provides to a patient. In fact, even for a lot of physical services, uh, AI can be used in a better way to, to enhance the procedures, to enhance the accuracy of the diagnosis. So uh, I think in every single step of healthcare at the moment, uh, AI machine learning can be used. Of course, you know, it, it may be a, a little, uh, little ahead in the future in terms of its adoption, but like, you know, I, I just told you the basic implementations, which have already started, you know, like the COVID ones or a lot of doctors use it in the hospitals for decision support. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it, it's probably going to need a little more seasoning for, you know, future use, but it's really there to stay. Yeah. OK. And so can patients trust that, do you think? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's an immense amount of data that is actually used to build any of these, uh, you know, AI tools, machine learning tools. So uh, it is actually really, really reliable. The patients can actually trust this. In fact, like, like I said, uh, it enhances the 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 decision making of of the of the 
doctors or whatever services you are using. So it kind of actually increases the reliability of the services that the patients receive. So yeah, they can definitely trust it. Okay, that's good to know. Um, you said this isn't quite happening just yet. Where, when do you see this as becoming more fully implemented as a everyday tool for everybody? Yeah, so you you, you actually said said it right. You know, of course, it has been implemented in bits and pieces at the moment, but in, you know, in a full fledged everyday manner. I think it would take us another couple of years to start using it. But I think um, the fact that, you know, COVID-19 happened and everything before and after that happened, um, that is, again, going to accelerate this too, you know, because uh, everyone on every level has realized how much we can utilize technology, data and machines to make our lives better. You know, so I, I think it's, it, it has accelerated it a little more. So what would have otherwise taken uh, another decade or two, it's probably just a couple of years down the line now. Well, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah. And so this isn't just for people who are sick, like people dealing with COVID. This is for everybody. Yeah, everyone, everyone. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, like, again, with COVID, because it was, you know, an emergency situation at hand and there was a massive population to be worked with, which otherwise, you know, on man-to-man levels would have been impossible. Uh, that's the reason we, we really saw like this massive implementation for COVID-19 patients. But uh, like I said, it can be utilized for different disease areas, different types of patients and different uh, services. Yeah. And is there buy-in on this in terms of hospitals, government? I don't know what the cost of this would be um, globally. How does this play in? Is, is everybody able to play this? game yeah i you know that that's the thing that's the reason i said it, it's going to take a little bit of seasoning for the next couple of years because uh, you know in terms of the technology or or those kind of products or tools being available a lot of them actually are available at the moment but buying is what takes time you know sometime and in terms of you know cost or you know the infrastructural factors that is what is going to take a couple of years for us. Um, and that's why I said for it to be included in our day-to-day lives, it's going to take a couple of years from here. One factor is that the more and more we use it, the more and more uh, inexpensive it becomes, you know. Mm. A, a tool specially built for, you know, one or two entities versus something that's being commercialized on a global level, you know, the cost is going to be really different, you know. Yeah, that I'm just thinking about when electronic health records became kind of the norm in all the facilities and staff was having to be trained on it and doctors were having to use it and change the way that they'd been taking notes forever on pen and paper or dictating and now they had to use electronic. And so I believe that a number of people just said, we're, we're done. I'm old enough. I'm retiring. I'm not going to make this transition because it's more challenging. Do you anticipate there would be something like that happening with these, with this AI that people might say this is beyond me, and I'm I'm old enough, I'm going to retire or step out. So no, I I think you know uh, uh, the way the technology uh, adoption happened after COVID nineteen, with or without our choices, you know, for patients, hospitals, and doctors, and everyone, uh, I think it it did forever uh, change something in us in terms of our mindset, in terms of our understanding of how how flexible we are or how we can learn something if we actually want to do it, you know. Um, because, you know, like you said, 
a, a lot of medical professionals who previously wouldn't opt for you know telemedicine, telehealth consultations using using digital technology had to do it during COVID nineteen times, you know, with with or without their choice. And a lot of them actually realized that hey, it's not it's not that impossible as as we thought. So um, I think it did uh, cause a little bit of positive effect on our mindset. Uh, of course, like any other technology, you know, it takes time to get that buy-in for people to start believing in, in the benefits of it. Uh, and as that happens, uh, we, we as medical professionals and as patients do uh, become much more interested in learning the technology with time. You know? yeah. So yeah, that, like, you know, like we said, it, it will take a little bit of time, but uh, the benefit is definitely much more than uh, the effort that we have to put into it. Okay, so does one of the one one of the benefits include maybe a reduction in errors or increasing the overall health benefits to the patients where you just have less mistakes and better diagnoses and care? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and and again, you know, like I said, it's it's really nice for both the patients as well as the the medical professionals. You know, you're you're getting a very reliable, very intelligent helping hand for the medical professionals, which is going to Im- improve their efficiency as well as their their own mental health, their burnout. So um, a healthy doctor is always good for a healthy patient, right? So, right. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And from the administrator's point of view, does this save money in the long run? I yeah. imagine there's a cost, startup cost, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, in, in US alone, we lose so much money just out of medical errors or administrative errors. And like I said, you know, over over a longer haul, the, the benefit is so much more than the effort that we have to put into it. Uh, same applies for, um, you know, the amount of money or the expenses that go into it. Like you said, when EMR adoption happened, if, you know, initially there was it was really lukewarm in terms of, you know, people's interest and everything. But gradually, everyone in the health systems and you know, government levels realized how how it can save a lot of money, how it can make things much smoother, um, reduce errors, and also benefit patients in a lot of ways. You know, so uh, it, it's the same for um, AI machine learning technology. So over the long run, it is going to be much more beneficial for the doctors, for the patients, for the administrative uh, part of healthcare as well. Yeah. That's really interesting. How does this work with dental? Yeah. Um, so uh, again, like I said, uh, decision support tools are always available for any area of medicine. So even for uh, dental. So a small example could be, so so if a doctor is looking at, at, at you know, at, at an x-ray and um, trying to trying to diagnose uh, a cancer, a tumor there, if you have an, you know, an extra pair of hands, you know, an intelligent brain, an extra brain with you, which is what AI machine learning is what, you know, that's, that's, why, that's what I always say. AI machine learning is like having one extra intelligent brain with you. So mm. it's always going to help the doctor in diagnosing better, reducing the amount of error. So, yeah. Um, we talk about machine learning. Are you saying that the machine is actually learning from the input that it gets or is somebody specifically saying, you know, we saw this happen today and they're inputting that information? What's actually happening there? So what happens is, I mean, and, and, and I'm putting it like in super simplistic terms, but... Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
but but the tool or the product that you're using uh it has been made and it, there's there's been so much of data that has been used to to build this that it has learned from the data and, and you know the trends or the different things that it learns through that data teaches it how to better and accurately diagnose this right so now, you know just to give you an analogy if a doctor has worked with 10000 patients he or she is going to be much more efficient at the work he or she is doing, right? In that, right. Because, it, because they've seen so many patients, they've seen so much data related to these patients, right? That is what AI machine learning is. And we're not talking about just a couple of thousand. We're talking about thousands, millions, sometimes more. So, you know, that, that's where it, it learns from and improves the accuracy of what it's doing. That's very exciting. Really is very exciting about with the possibilities that could make all of our lives much better. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, and you're a part of it, which is pretty neat. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, obviously you, you really understand all this. I'm, I'm blown away by how intelligent you are. I got to be honest. Um, <laughs> just, it, I mean, it must just be something that's very exciting to really understand it, know about it, and then watch it all happening. You yeah. know, and it's going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I I feel extremely passionate about this whole thing, and that's the reason, you know. I you know I uh, I come into the talk. I'm not trying to sell any specific product or any specific company, um, and I make it a point not to mention any specific brands or companies because the whole point here is to convey what you just said. You know, there's so much potential here. Uh, all we need to do is like just understand and know that it's there. You know. It's really great. Is there anything else you'd like us to know? Um, no, uh, nothing specific. Uh, again, I'll just say, uh, it, at least in the in the current situation, utilize whatever technology, basic foundational technologies available around us to keep, uh, you know, a good mental health. So, uh, of course, we have to socially distance. We can't meet people. Uh, but, you know, just talk to each other on your phone, have your um, video calls on your FaceTime or wherever services you want. Utilize uh, technology, basic technology, basic applications for, for your diet, better sleep, better health, you know, read nice stuff. Uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, technology is a double-edged sword, so don't listen to all the COVID-19 stories 24-7. Take a break yeah. from that sometimes, uh, you know, uh, and, and try to maintain good health for whatever amount of time this is going to happen. Uh, and just know that we are all in this together. Uh, we'll come out much stronger. That's, that's great. I like your attitude on all of this. And I think we are very lucky. I often think about the pandemic of 1918 and how, there was no technology. You were cut off from people. You were cut off from information. And thank God, even though, as you said, it is a two-edged sword, but we have we have so much possibility from all of this technology and the brilliant minds like you who are out there creating it, make it happen. We're all really very fortunate to be living during this time. If there's going to be a pandemic, we're, we're really lucky. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank you for your time today. Dr. Siley, and I will put your information on the website so people can find you. And uh, for those of you who've listened, I want to thank you for listening and and hope it was really clear to you how beneficial this is to us in our health and, and everything that people like Dr. Siley are working on. It's really 
going to help us all be healthier. And that's what we're all about. You can catch this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. And please consider coming by alternativehealthtools.com. Leave us an audio message. There is a little blue circle on the page. It's got a little mic in the middle of it. Click it and you can ask us a question, give us some feedback or just say hi. We'd love to hear from you.